Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Girl Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. I like that. Today, yeah. I have Kat, Krithiga, Cleo, and Christina with me today. And today's focus will be addressing anti black and anti indigenous racism. And I mean, let's just pause right here before you tell yourself, wait, I'm not. I'm not racist. I don't need to listen to this. Let me just tell you with 100% confidence that if you think that way, then you're racist. We've discussed racism before, but with terrible audio. So it's not on the podcast. It's on the YouTube channel. I would never, I couldn't do that to anybody's ears. I guess we can talk about what anti-black racism is and how it manifests if people are still confused about how the black community experiences racism um i have some resources that we have gathered together Alyssa titer put together a really great breakdown of how anti-black racism manifests and it starts it has a few different structures so intrapersonally internalized anti-blackness because whiteness has been standardized so in terms of colorism there is internal bias towards lighter skin interpersonally between individuals and groups there's overt covert and micro aggressions that are racist so overt could be using the n-word covert could be housing discrimination and Microaggression would be, wow, you you speak so well for a black person. And structurally, as in the laws and regulations of society, which is police brutality and many, many other ways like defunding community resources and putting it towards capitalist systems and benefiting white people only. Kat and Cleo, when did you first realize that your skin color made you feel different? Since I was a young child, like, as soon as I could talk and, like, understand things? Yeah. yeah. You both grew up um, in very white neighborhoods, right? Yeah. Growing up, my classrooms, I was either like the only black person or like one of two or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I started swimming at a young, at a young age, like competitively, mm-hmm. and they were all white. Um, and I didn't even remember this until recently, but like I would get made fun of and like excluded a lot because I was black. And because like my mom made me wear a, uh, a cap to swim with yeah. because of my hair but none of the other little white children did this so they would like make fun of me and judge me for having to do that so it would just be an uncomfortable space to walk into until one day the swimming coach was like you guys have to take this seriously and wear like a swim cap because you're swimming and like your hair gets in the way and then they started wearing swim caps but I still like but I was like excluded and made fun of because of that beforehand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a lot of experiences being younger and being the only black person in all, all of the spaces I was in, except when I was with my family. Um, so yeah, I wanted to be white really badly. Like 
I that's like what I aspired. I'm like, I want my hair to be straight. Yeah. I would like wear a towel over my head and pretend it was like long, luscious, straight hair. That's fucked Because up. I want it to be white. And even now, there are still remnants of that that are still in my mind of just, yeah, wanting to achieve whiteness. And that's like such a big thing, I think, especially for me because I'm like biracial, so my mom is white. So like being like going out into public with my mom was always like really weird for me and like I hated it and it kind of like drove me to a point where like I hated going out with my mom and stuff so like that's like just an example of how deep it goes I guess like it like leads to like so much like hate within yourself but also like towards other people in your family and then like you're mad you can't like achieve this unattainable whiteness because you're never gonna attain it no matter how much you like try to like assimilate into white culture like you're just becoming less true to yourself and then like when I came to Toronto and like Kat and I'm sure even everyone here can attest to how like fucked up like I said fucked up stuff still and like I was pretty racist too and it was just like a very like big process of unlearning all of that shit and realizing like the reason I was acting like that is because I was still trying to assimilate into like something that I didn't I don't want to be a part of it's just like what you're taught how you should be um and like if you think about that that's like me unlearning racial ideals and stuff till I'm like 27 so that's like a really long time to be like having to unlearn something so toxic and then you think like well if like black people could just like be not even just black people, like, indigenous people as well, like, any kind of person of color culture could just be represented to begin with and not persecuted, like, how much people could just, like, start to, like, appreciate and, like, just be themselves. I felt like I had to compensate in so many other ways because I wasn't white, so I felt like I had to talk a certain way, I couldn't act out act out or be a certain way um, because then I would be proving to everyone that black people are exactly what they think they are. So I was always trying to fight that and be the opposite. Yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself at a very young age to not be that. And that pressure has carried on throughout my life. And even now, like, it's something that I fight with all the time Mm -hmm. because of what I thought I had to be and what I still feel like I have to be. Being surrounded by white people and being in a white space, you're you're trying to belong also. So you're doing things to try to belong and also to prove them wrong and to live up to all of these expectations. And it's just like, it's so much. It's so much pressure. But it's wild to me that you felt that from a young age. Like no child, no child should have to carry that consciousness. I, it it completely shapes you into something that like you don't even know who you are at the end of it, right? You're like, did I ever really get to experience and fully express myself to the way that I wanted to be? Or was, or did society shape me into somebody 
and like do I hate myself because I hate myself or do I hate myself yeah. because society <laughs> taught me to hate myself like it's such like a mix it's like it's so much nuance yeah. it's like yeah like I'm trying to like be gentler to like who I was as a child because like there are so many factors that are just out of your control um and like I feel like how I acted in those times was just me trying to survive to the best of my abilities in a situation that like I don't know like people like don't take it seriously but like I don't know no child should have to go through half of the shit that like children who aren't white have to go through and I feel like white people are just always taught because they're represented everywhere like they're allowed to feel Mm -hmm. the whole range of emotions and do anything they want and it's just like you are always resigned to be represented as like their best friend or like the side character you only experience one personality trait one emotion so I don't know yeah it definitely like fucked me up growing up in, like, a small white town where, like, Kat, I was, like, the only, I was either the only dark-skinned person in my class or, like, one of two. Like, my immigrant parents also, it's not like they taught me that it was okay to be in my skin and to, like, and to be black. We're all just trying to survive. And as immigrants, they were really trying, they were trying to make it in this world mm-hmm. in like in Canada so they weren't teach they weren't like teaching me how to love myself they also kind of perpetuated the fact that i needed to be a certain way and not not act in certain ways i needed to do really well in school and you know talk properly and just not act like other black kids so and they're black yeah. So it's like this and they they internalize that also from society mm-hmm. because society has also told them that this is the way it needs to be for us to survive. So it's just this it's just this never-ending cycle. I mean, I hope it ends with me. Um but yeah, it's it sucks that even within your own culture that they're also feeding you this information and telling you you have to be this way yeah. to to make it. Yeah. I think anti-black within the black community is manifested in that way is through self-hate and through teaching your kids all this like like I don't even know how how to quantify the amount of emotional labor it must have taken for parents to have to teach their kids to to be so aware of everything that they did, how they talked, how they dressed, mm-hmm. how they interacted with other people. I like, like it's 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 the amount of that emotional labor and pressure on a kid growing up and especially like like you said, like when you're with your friends, like if certain kids could do some things, but you couldn't do some things. So have you guys talked to your parents about Black Lives Matter and all the stuff that's been going on? My father is an immigrant, but um, I don't know, he was a bad dad. So there's not a lot that I get from that relationship, which then leads me to have my mom who is white and 
she doesn't say all lives matter anymore, but fuck, did we have to have that conversation, like, two years ago, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird that you, you had to educate your mom about your own experiences. Well, I wrote a zine. I, like, that's how I, like, get out of my problem. So, like, I wrote the zine, How Do I Tell My Mom I'm Black, to try to help her understand that. Because sometimes she would say to me, like, yeah, but, like, you have white in you. But, like, no one can fucking see that. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, I'm just, like, this ambiguous identity that has a skin tone that's not white, no matter what. Like, if people don't think I'm black, they either think I'm South Asian or something. Like, it's whatever. But, like... There's, you don't see white when you look at me. I have light skin privilege, yes, but like I'm still not white, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, having to explain that is exhausting to your mother. It's not like you're talking to some stranger on the internet and you can just tap out and be like, I don't need to explain this to you, yeah. but it's like, <laughs> it's your mom. Yeah. It's your mom, so like she has to yeah. get it. And Kat, you yeah. haven't talked to your family? No. So again, like, I don't, well, I also have a weird relationship with my family. Um, but that's generally just something we don't talk about, mm-hmm. really, which makes, which probably makes everything a little more difficult because it would be nice to have, like, the closest people, like, the people who birthed you and who are also Black and who have obviously have had their own experiences um it would be nice to hear about that and talk about that but again I think it goes back to them just trying to survive like we all just get it Mm -hmm. we're black we know we're experiencing it every day yeah so I I think that's just where it comes from we're all just we get it yeah so we just don't talk about it um but it would be a nice to talk about. Yeah. Um, I talked to my brother a little bit, and he's only a few years older than me, so we're more, like, on the same level. Um, and we did talk about it a bit, and it was sad um, because it was kind of when, right after the George Floyd stuff was happening, um, and he was just, he started crying, and it, like, caught me off guard. Because I wasn't, because again, my family and I don't really talk about this. Um, But yeah, he started crying and he was like, that could be me. So yeah. And that was really hard to like, to hear. This time right now, it's really stirring up emotions and triggering everyone. Like I, I wasn't expected, I didn't expect to be triggered as much as I was. Mm Um. And I guess the same with my brother, because I wasn't expecting that from him either. But I think we're all just going through it. Well, especially if in the realm of social media, it's it's unfair and unnecessary for black people to continuously see that happening. And then Mm -hmm. for on the flip side, white people to watch that say, oh, that's that's bad, but then not still do anything. And or asked to be educated or asked to be educated and i know christina you told me before like christina's been very active 
on social media. Christina is never active on social media. Let's start. (laughs) (laughs) Christina is very silent on social media, and she has been the most active in promoting good content. But I remember you told me, Christina, that a lot, this has been the least amount of engagement that you've gotten because of your white circle, right? Yeah, so I, you know, and I, since I don't use social media a lot, I go and look at the views on my story, like who's looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say usually it's in the 50s or 60s, and lately I've been noticing it's like 40s. Mm-hmm. So, like low 50s. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so a lot of people are watching, but then there's that chunk that's not, that maybe sees that and then goes, oh, this again. And they get to just flip it aside. Yep. And move on with their lives. Isn't that nice? Whereas black people have to go through this every single day. Anytime they, they walk out of their house, anytime they engage with the media, like so it's I feel like people should be like white people should be using their their voice, even if like like I don't know what you're doing behind the scenes, that's fine, but for Blackout Tuesday when I saw a whole bunch of people on my feed just post the black squares with nothing else, yeah. just the black square and a hashtag, no no resources, this is how you can help, no donation links, no information about maybe the history of what's going on or what can be done. Mm-hmm. They just kind of participate in that social media activity, I guess. Have you had anybody speak up against you, Christina? <laughs> Not, well... I, I would like to say not super against me, but um, like we, I've been, me and my sisters have been talking to my parents a lot mm-hmm. um, and they have their rebuttals. Of course, they're not, they're not saying the whole movement is wrong and they're not saying um, that there is no anti-black racism or anything, mm-hmm. but they'll bring up in, like small in- instances mm-hmm. of like, okay, but what about this? And what about this? And then the people that say, well, I wish they wouldn't riot and I wish that they wouldn't loot. Um, it's whataboutism. The, the whataboutism is, is hard. But the beauty of that is all that looting, all that rioting, guess what still supports it? All the insurance companies that all the white people still have that will take care of all of their problems and give them back all of the money that they need. Places like Target or whatever that get looted. A, Target got looted because they weren't providing milk and water for protesters who were being tear gassed by police. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like her said, like the insurance companies... They're fine. They're going to be fine. And those places don't even pay their workers. And those places, like, it's so systematic that, like, yeah. the people who are working in those spaces don't have access to health care. They don't have access to, like, enough resources to pay their rent and buy food and just, like, survive as people, too. And also they're being forced to work at a grocery store during a global pandemic. Kat, I was wondering if you feel like a bad black person <laughs> during this for, like, how hard it is to, like... I don't know, just be present or like share resources. I like at one point I feel like yeah. it's I feel like it's not our job, <laughs> but the it's other not. point <laughs> but like I feel like by not doing anything, I don't know. I feel like shit. Yeah. It's been a lot because I've been battling with, you know, all of the the feelings that I, that have been triggered 
So that's one thing. Also, it's a pandemic. That's another thing. And just general life stresses. And then now that there's this whole movement happening, which is great, um, I feel weird. Like, I, I I want to do stuff. I want to stay informed and... I want to retain more knowledge. I should have gone to all the protests and, you know, I should be more active. I should be sharing all these resources and doing these things. And I know it's not my responsibility, but I still feel bad about it because I do want to help and I want to help a change be made. Same as you, Cleo. You also feel bad? Yeah, I like, I had to ask like, my friend Terry, when we were gonna do the fundraiser for Old Growth Press, I'm like, is this a stupid, I like, I like, it's so like ingrained, like, I was like, is doing this fundraiser like a stupid performative idea so people will think that our press gives a shit about black people, despite the fact that I am a black person running this press? There's so many circles you have to fucking jump through that you're like, is it perform? Like, am I? And it's just like, psychologically it's really fucked up it's like you're gaslighting yourself yeah almost (laughs) which is i i'm surprised that you and kat feel this way feel guilty and somehow feel like you're not contributing to anti-racism i think it goes back to like what kat was saying about like we're always thinking five steps ahead kind of on like how we can present ourselves or how what we're doing or whatever so that i feel like it gets to the point where like it just gets into every little interaction i know when i'm in all black spaces i'm like i don't belong here too and like that's a big thing too it's just like this weird when you're deprived of something for so long and then you get to participate it Mm -hmm. participate in it you're just like I don't belong here because I've never had this before and it just feels so alien when you say um even in an all-black space you feel othered can you expand more on that what what about it makes you feel different it's definitely like mainly me it it Mm -hmm. does depend on the situation you're like, I don't feel black enough. Like, for Ellie Donald about Cap, at least this is me. Especially me, because I've always been, like, I've kind of been forced to be, like, you're either white or black. I never get to just be, like, me. And, like, biracial stuff has, like, its own nuance, and it's all fucked up. And, like, also my own fucked up stuff. But, like, so that, so there, you're just, like, presenting yourself against an unattainable ideal I don't know I just feel like I've always been striving towards something of the black excellence thing which is also stupid because you should be allowed to be black mediocre and like black shit as well like you're allowed to experience the whole spectrum of emotion um but yeah it's not black people treating me like shit like they've anytime I've been in like black spaces like they've been nothing but like gracious and like warm to me and it's always, like, a very healing experience. But, like, you only get that in small doses. And, I don't know, I always leave those spaces feeling a mix of, like, really, like, great pleasure and happiness for getting to experience it. But then also being, like, I didn't present myself as black enough in this space or whatever. I think the thesis of it is that, like you grow up and you're like you're supposed to strive towards whiteness and when you 
realize that that's not what you want, and then you try to strive towards being a part of a community, you're displaced, you've been displaced from that community for so long that, like, when you get to participate in it, there's always this weird voice in the back of your head about it. I'm not Indigenous, so I can't speak to that, but I feel like that is also a big thing in Indigenous communities as well, because so much of their culture was just, like, stripped away from them. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's just, like, white people stealing from you. Like, they steal your joy, as well as your land, and everything else. Yeah. Myself as South Asian, like, I have my own privileges as, um, like, quote-unquote model minority, right? Because, Mm -hmm. and because it goes into each of these different areas, it's up to the rest of us to speak up and do our part whether it's donating, speaking to our families, which is not easy, but like Christina mentioned, like having the ability to have those conversations is important because that's how it filters out into the rest of the world and the day to day, right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have high hopes when I was speaking to my parents and it turns out, uh, yeah, they were totally supportive, which is very different. I remember having conversations um with my dad before about how you know black folk have a hard time even just getting a job simply simply by seeing a name on a resume and if it sounds a little black and i have been stereotyped growing up because people think that i have a black name right and i remember so many reactions when people were like i thought you were black when i first saw your name on the chart wow it's like they they say it with a sense of relief like thank god you're not black wow you just have a black name but like that's okay and and then in fact that makes you cooler yes you're not black (laughs) but you have a black name so you're like you're kind of black but you're not exactly that makes it better edgy edgy wow it's like a white guy with dreads like wow you must be so oh my god (laughs) i can't Yeah, I remember talking to dad about it, about um, systemic oppression, and dad's like, well, if they grew up, well, if there's more crime, there's simply going to be more arrests and more police in the area. And it's hard. Um, I know in Asian culture, especially, respecting authority or whatever is seen as authority, whether it's elders or people in power, is it's such a big thing so for him to be like oh wow yeah the cops are fucked up it's a huge step for him and now now we're getting to the point where i i'm trying to explain what defunding the police means to him you know so we're we're at that point yeah yeah that's good but he watched 13th i'm i kept reminding them i'm like have you watched 13th yet and he was shocked and he used he re, he messaged us. He was um, he used so many exclamation marks in that message. Police have hurt more people than they have ever saved them. Police don't save people. It's not even part of their fucking job. I don't even I don't think they know what their job is. Honestly, <laughs> that's actually, it's true. I, I wanted to jump off of that because the the argument can also be made that defunding the police, keep in mind, isn't necessarily taking away more jobs. We already have a plethora of um, uniformed men and women on the force, but we ask police to do 
things that they should not be doing anyway, like mental health checks, things like events or, you know, taking care of, um, or sorry, providing uh, security for events or healthcare workers or things like that. Like these things, there are designated roles for. And so in actuality, defunding the police is also helping them because then you're actually giving them time to do what their actual job description entails so that they can actually put their resources and time towards cases that need their attention versus sending them to mental health checks that they're not equipped for, they're not trained for, and having other people step up into the light and giving them the funding that they need in order to have their, in order to do their jobs and take care of the people that need it. Yep. It's just that simple. And I just want to reassure those that are starting to have difficult conversations with the people in their circle, like it it can change. Mm -hmm. There's hope. Don't think that they can't change. That's that's what stops progress. And that's a good point, like in terms of shows, like if, if it's hard having those conversations, because some people might not be equipped with the information or can speak to um everything that's going on so documentaries like 13 opens their eyes in a different way that you might not be able to kind of speak to but it's still doing something and it's giving money back to people who deserve it the more that we can put money into it the more we can just fucking tell boring stories like which is well like i don't know why people get to have every fucking spectrum of whatever like they have rom-coms they have dramas they have everything and black people are reduced to trying to educate other people about their life experiences but if you could just like pick up a book by a black person and it's about something that's mundane like we need to have that ability to and that structural change needs to happen as well because i am personally not going to be making work that's educating other people i want to just write like some smut or something and be done with it and have that be accepted because i feel like if there is something that's just black that comes out again there's this pressure that like if it's not really good then this shouldn't keep this shouldn't keep happening it has to excel no matter what yeah yeah and we can't have shitty late night black comedies that are just about partying and black frat houses and hazing and yeah i'm thinking of like the early (laughs) 90s too and how like we grew up in a point where there was at least like two years where we got to see representation of at least one of every culture in tv shows and then they took that away from us (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. so like because like there was yeah so much school bus what what happened? Yeah, I say I'm not religious, but the fact that white people think Jesus was white <laughs> is yeah absolutely I ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> and they Wild. like idolize yeah. him and stuff like that. Like you're not you're not idolizing a white person. If y'all Just are so reading you know. from the same book, I'm pretty sure yeah. the mention of Jerusalem is in there. And if you <laughs> yeah. look at him, Atlas. Oh shit! I it's never not thought in about that. It's not in Dakota. It's not in North Carolina. They take everything and make it white, <gasps> and then make us believe make us believe that it was always white. But yeah, that is not the case. Is Santa black? <laughs> well, <laughs> I did just have that thought. Can we talk about queerness in Black culture as well? We sure. should address. 
I just watched, my friend is hosting, like, gay movie nights, and we watched Rafiki, and Rafiki was banned in Kenya because they were, like, showing two women together is so explicit, blah, 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 and they had to take that to the Supreme Court, and I remember we saw it, um, and they won, they won, so they, because, like, they weren't uh, allowing them to show the film in Kenya because they're like, it's too explicit. There's not even any sex in it. They just kiss. In these Caribbean countries, indigenous communities, like, they already had a way to experience gender and sexuality, and then missionaries came and they, like, took their culture and, like, they forced Christianity onto them and, like, this idea of purity and stuff... And so, so much of, like, homophobia that happens in, like, these Caribbean countries and especially, like, in places like Jamaica, like, it comes from white people (laughs) putting, like, this idea of purity on these cultures when these cultures had their own terms for people who are trans and they had, like, their own ways of, like, having romantic relationships with the same gender and everything. So, like, that's how, like, deep-seated white supremacy is. Like, it's in everything. It's in, like, how you can control your body or, like, like, I don't know. It, like, makes me crazy how we elevate whiteness and everything and so much about whiteness is so, like, evil and wrong. Homophobia in the black community is still a thing. Um, Yeah, even within my family, it's like, it's so difficult to hear just, or like see the way they react to things. A lot of the times they are homophobic. So if you're queer in those spaces with your own family, that's such a hard thing to deal with on top of your blackness. And then, and you're at more risk, especially if you're a black trans person you're just in so much more danger and you're dealing with that on top of everything else and trying to deal with your family not accepting who you are. It's not just that they're not physically safe, but mentally there's no safe place for them to be. And anybody that has to live a life like that, well, that's why suicide rates are so high is simply because it's... you can't. Also, like, as someone who's, like, queer and non-binary trans, like, queerness as it is now would not be able to exist without black trans women. And so many fucking white gays think that, A, they're oppressed because they're white and gay, but they're also just cis men who have the highest privilege of anyone. Um, And, like, you would not be able to go out and go fuck in a bathroom or any of the shit that you want to do, have your pride parade with your absolute rainbow vodka if it wasn't for black trans women. They can go outside and yes, they're at risk of being assaulted or murdered, but not at the same rate. And Mm -hmm. just like what black trans people and black queer people have to go to is like incomparable. Like, you are hated not only for being a- if you're not being hated for being a black person, you're hated for being queer, or you're hated for being trans, and you're told that you're not right, and that you're an aberration. And like, I don't know, no one should have to live like that. Like, I can go online and I can see that, like, back-to-back, three black trans women have been murdered. 
mm-hmm. and no one's elevating their voices as much as anyone else, and it's not an oppression game. I'm not like asking for people to have the same time being mourned as anyone else because I don't want to continue mourning black life, but like I don't know, like until like we can't say black lives matter if we don't care about black trans lives. Yep. And like black trans lives have to be a priority especially when we're always rallying for black black men, black cis men and the same doesn't happen for black trans people such as Tony McDade, um, who was a black trans man who was murdered by police and hasn't been spoken about as much as, like, George Floyd. When we talk about how the budget, how how the money is allocated towards white capitalism, it, like, just, let's, just within our province alone, right? And within our city alone, when we elected our premier, who is absolutely racist. And before before any of this pandemic stuff, he was very much determined to slash all budgets towards community resources. But um, some statistics for you, if you're Toronto, more than 25% of Toronto taxpayer dollars go to police services, which is... $1 billion, $127 million of those dollars includes police services, police board, and police parking. Parking. Wow. The TTC, the TTC itself gets less than $800 million. And the, the very first, the, the biggest contributor to poverty is transportation and lack of accessible transportation. It it stops people from getting jobs, stops people from having access. And in a city where it is un- unlivable for anybody that is low income, gentrifi- gentrification and pushing people further and further from city center and making it inaccessible for them to get into the city, that's racism. Plain and simple. Especially since they're expanding to Vaughn. Where they yeah. probably don't need to expand to. Yeah, everyone there. Yeah, everyone there fucking drives. Like everyone. Yeah, they're, they're so fine. rich there. They're like they're like the the rich Italians. They don't need anything. <laughs> they don't need any more help than they've gotten. The money that is going to the TDC, they're paying these fucking fair inspectors to find people oh. who can't afford, who cannot afford to take transit, but need like. That's a necessity. Like, they need to get from point A to point B. They hire these fucking inspectors to, like, (laughs) to use their power and to make them feel like they're so important that they can abuse their power. Yes. Yeah. And they're, like, fighting people. Yeah. They're fighting people in the TTC. They're finding people. There's so many other things you could be doing than hurting these people yeah with that money and it's just transit uh, should be free like they released that study that was like if everyone who owns a house paid a dollar we could have free transit i'm like why the fuck is that not happening then like it's like all the hoops you have to fucking jump through it's like this would cost a dollar but we're not gonna do it though like we're gonna we're gonna just like say you can do it but we're like no one's gonna do that that's why when you have people are like okay so what so 
so I support black lives, but everything that you're saying is idealistic. It's not fucking idealistic. Mm -hmm. It's misplaced money, bitch. Mm -hmm. You're spending, those people that have the power are putting the money in their pockets. They're not spending it towards things that the people really need. And yeah, we're we're asking, we're not asking for much. These are possible things. Like these are things that, can happen yep and this is what we're fighting for we're not fighting for an impossible dream yeah this is like this is achievable yep and it needs to happen yeah yeah and i they're and they're making us feel like it's not something that we should be asking for and it's not something that's possible yes yes like we're dumb we're dumb for even thinking that it could be any different yes and that blows me away that I don't know, people, it's it's a lot of misplaced moral judgment. This is what I mean um, by community as much. Just seeing these protests alone and seeing how much we've achieved as a community without the police help, thank you very much, is proof that, look, we can do it. When we come together, we are strong enough. We don't have useless murders happening when we come together oh i I wonder why especially as canadians it's important for us to educate ourselves on the rcmp and their role in this too um because i feel like they get forgotten Mm -hmm. about um besides obviously indigenous people who are directly affected by them every day but like we're very focused on just general cops but the RCMP is like a, a whole other thing in Canada that needs to be taken care of. Yep. And I see a lot of great things happening in the U.S. in terms of politicians actually paying attention and policies being changed. But I don't see anything happening in Canada. And I, and I think that we need to continue this fight and keep speaking up and you know, Americans, if y'all are listening, you need to speak up for us, too, because it's a global issue. Yeah. No, no, guys, Justin Trudeau kneeled. Oh, my God. Come on. Thanks. You're really making a difference. Thank you You can't go kneel off a cliff. He, like, represents Canada so well, I feel, because on the outside, people are like, oh, this guy is, like, a young, good-looking uh prime minister and he's so nice and you know he's such a good guy but that's like that represents cam canada to me yeah because everyone everyone thinks we're this peaceful beautiful country uh we're all about love and acceptance and multiculturalism we're untouchable but if you, <laughs> we don't yeah, have but if you look water. deeper for indigenous people like indigenous people yeah. here don't have drinking water we try to go yeah. through their land to build pipes that ruin the land that we have to live on too also everything yeah. that's like environmentally damaged is placed where there are black communities or there are indigenous communities our well we had japanese cities. internment camps we had residential schools like we canada has done it all i'm pretty sure ocad is like where they either lynch slaves or they sold slaves or did both like, that's just McCall Street. That's just downtown by the AGO. So, like, you can go check out an art museum and also be stepping on the bodies of dead black people yep. who, like, died so that area could exist. Like, 
I don't know, like, when when did any of you guys, like, learn about this? Because, like, it wasn't in school for Never. me, and, like, I had to, like, find out. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned about Africville, like, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't fucking know about that shit. Yep. And I should. I'm fucking black, and there's so much I don't know about my own culture and my own history because it was they've, robbed. like... You're not taught yeah. it. You're not taught it. They're just... It's so strategic, too. Yeah, like, they're purposefully not teaching us these things because they're trying to erase yep. our history and just sell lies to us and just teach us only very specific things yep. so that we don't understand our power and we don't understand our own history. Yep. My mom's a teacher, and, and she tells me, like, the amount of stuff they they don't teach anymore is crazy and and kids are the the best people to teach this stuff to because yep my uh i know someone's son he's just like he's just doesn't understand what's going on right now because he's like well why why do people not like black people like what's the issue and it's like that's how the kids start out but if you're educating them in the wrong way then that's how we end up with this society that keeps doing what it's doing. There's an argument where, you know, they're like, oh, like, you know, you have to let kids be kids and you you have to wait until they're older to understand this concept. It's like no one gave black children or indigenous children the same courtesy. They're forced at a very young age to ex- understand exactly how they fit in the grand scheme of the world. So, no, you can teach your white children and everyone else about the same thing because if black kids and indigenous kids are forced to understand and forced to grow up and they'll understand it they're not that stupid yeah children are so smart Letitia asked like our youngest like moment of like experiencing racism and like I didn't know this because I was in daycare and who remembers being in daycare my mom was like well you used to come home from daycare and you'd be calling yourself the Ensler baby which means that someone at daycare was calling me that and that's why I was saying that at home so that's how early it fucking starts and then even like probably like when I was like four I went to like this kid's birthday party and then his dad didn't want me to go to the birthday party and I didn't understand why but it was because he didn't want like a black kid in his house so <laughs> my mom had to like fight him verbally to let me go to this birthday party that I probably should have just gotten to go home from you were at a daycare and another little child either child or thought, maybe thought one adult. of the or adult yeah. maybe it was one of the adults there that referred to me which as is that. like even worse <laughs> even worse like if both so fucked up yeah insanely fucked up we this may seem overwhelming to people that are not black or indigenous about you know i don't even know where to begin with all this but just speaking up is enough to enact change and it's about fucking time things are changing Mm -hmm. and even if you can't speak up and use your voice you can still do silent things petitions donations you know just educating yourself it doesn't necessarily mean you know if you're not ready to to a certain degree i can understand but there are still other ways you can help support the cause so it's not as if 
no one can do anything. Everyone has a part and a role to play in this. So there's no excuses. <laughs> one thing that you can do today, though, is to follow Old Growth Press on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Old Growth Press. Thank you all for participating in this and contributing your voices to this podcast. And when you can support black creators, not when, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. Not when you can, do it now. It's not hard. Support black creators and speak up for black and indigenous folk. And that, yeah, that's all. We'll do your part. Do, do your, your part. Do your fucking part.